0: Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, you were talking about RNA, mm-hmm. which stands for ribonucleic acid. Well said. And thank you. <laughs> and one of the things you said about it was that it's your favorite biomolecule. Yes. When God created material life... On what day, Scott? That would be plants on the
1: third day of creation. Correct. When God created plants on the third day of creation, he designed and created a host of fantastically complex and sophisticated molecules enabling the existence of life. He created biomolecules, among them proteins and DNA, and as
0: you pointed out, my favorite, RNA. And you were explaining what RNA is and what it does because RNA is in the news these days. That's right.
1: RNA is grabbing a lot of attention because the recently developed vaccine
0: against the COVID-19 virus is made of... RNA. Not to mention the virus itself is made of RNA. Yeah. However, you explained in our last program that although the virus and the vaccine are both composed of RNA, the vaccine is not the virus. <laughs> the vaccine is not the virus.
1: But what the vaccine does is carry a message into our cells that the cellular machinery, which, by the way, is also made of RNA combined with a bunch of protein, essentially reads and then synthesizes the proteins that cover the virus in its natural state. What happens then is a person's immune system makes antibodies and T-cells against those inactive viral proteins so that when the actual virus enters your system, you already have the antibodies that recognize the protein coat of the virus and they attack it, destroying the real virus and preventing you from getting sick. But with all that being true, people have a lot of questions. And in our first program on RNA, I only had time to address a couple of them. So Scott, I've given you some questions I've been asked. So now go ahead and read the first one, which is a
0: concern I've heard a lot of people say. Is the vaccine a genetic altering vaccine? And I think by genetic altering, they mean, does it change your DNA? That is what they mean. And they ask that because there are people who
1: say the vaccine alters your DNA. And that, of all the misinformation that's out there, concerns me the most. Because the mRNA in the COVID-19 vaccine does not change your DNA. The RNA in the vaccine never even gets into the nucleus of your cells where your DNA is, let alone somehow get changed into DNA, so that it then can combine with your DNA and change it somehow. And why people are proposing that the vaccine alters a person's DNA completely baffles me. They are either incompetent or deviously spreading misinformation to mislead people for some purpose that totally escapes me. Scott, I worked for seven years on the research for my Ph.D. I was studying the structure and function of RNA. And do you know why it took so long?
0: I don't know. You're a slow learner? (laughs)
1: Well, I'd like to think not. Me too. (laughs) What took so long was the RNA that I had to synthesize in the lab constantly broke down, making it useless to work with. RNA is perhaps the most unstable biomolecule there is, but there's a biological reason for it. God created RNA to be the epitome of biochemical recycling. When the cell needs to make a protein, it doesn't want the instructions hanging around after the protein is made. So what happens is, a large enzyme called RNA polymerase reads the genetic code of a gene in the DNA, and in so doing, it makes an RNA copy of that piece of DNA. That happens in the nucleus. Then the RNA, which is called messenger RNA, mRNA for short, is transported out of the nucleus where it is read by the cellular machine called a ribosome. The ribosome makes the protein the mRNA instructed it to make, and then the cell rapidly breaks the mRNA down into its building blocks called ribonucleotides, which can then be taken back into the nucleus to be reassembled into another messenger RNA. RNA is continually being assembled and disassembled, unlike DNA, which is more stable. So in my years of research, I would sometimes literally go months without any of my experiments working because I couldn't keep enough RNA intact to do my research. It would break down before I could use it. That must have been frustrating. To say the least, Scott. Sometimes I truly wondered if I'd ever even be able to finish my research. But getting back to the vaccine, so the mRNA that is injected into a person remains in the person for only a very short period of time, and it does not become DNA that then becomes part of your DNA. The only thing that is altered in your body is your immune system. Once vaccinated, your immune system is programmed to make antibodies against the
0: COVID-19 virus. Okay, now another question some people have asked is, does the COVID-19 vaccine contain any embryonic material? The point in that question being, are aborted embryos or fetuses being used to make the vaccine?
1: That's the concern, Scott, and I completely understand how someone, how I, would have a grave moral problem with the vaccine if it involved killing unborn humans to make it or store it or anything else. But the answer is, there is no embryonic tissue in either the Pfizer or Moderna RNA vaccine. The vaccine, as I've explained, is simply a piece of messenger RNA which is encapsulated in a nanoparticle of a fat-like substance, which protects it and helps target the tissues of the immune system. No fetal cell lines were used to develop or produce the vaccine. That's not to say that there has never been any vaccines or other pharmaceuticals that used fetal or embryonic cell lines, but the coronavirus vaccines made by Pfizer and Moderna do not.
0: Well, there's one other concern that you have on the list, and that is, since this particular vaccine was developed and brought to market so fast, some people are worried that it hasn't been tested enough and that it is not safe. Yes, there is a lot of concern about that. However, a factor
1: people tend to overlook is the amount of data that was collected in the trials for these vaccines is unprecedented. In other words, the statistical significance of the tests is excellent. Why is that? Because the medical researchers were able to test such huge numbers of people, people who were more than willing to participate in the trials. You know, normally it's difficult to get large sample sizes, If for no other reason, then there is not a great number of people with any given disease. But in the case of COVID-19, there were hundreds of thousands of people Hmm. who had the disease and could be tested. But, you know, there's another reason why the vaccine was developed so quickly. Using mRNA as a vaccine has actually been a goal of scientists for decades. But the technology to make, preserve, and deliver it as a shot was not available. It was not until very recently that the techniques were developed. I'm going to read a quote from Stefan Bansel, the CEO of Moderna, one of the two companies whose vaccines are being used. Bansell called the way COVID-19 arrived, just as messenger RNA technology was ready, a quote-unquote aberration of history. In other words, we got lucky. Well, getting lucky is how the world may see it. However, I see God's providence in the timing of these events. I'm going to read something from an excellent article that chronicles the people and events that led to the production of the vaccine. Its title is The Next Act for Messenger RNA Could Be Bigger Than COVID Vaccines. It was published on February 5, 2021 in the MIT Technology Review. One of the things that kept coming up in the article was how the timing of certain discoveries and the properties of some of the substances being tested for use in the vaccine seemed to be amazingly fortunate. (laughs) Now, I just mentioned that the RNA is packaged in a nanoparticle of a fat-like substance. In their research, they discovered that these nanoparticles protected the RNA from being degraded. Remember, I said RNA is very unstable and useless if it's broken down. but then. When they injected these nanoparticles into the body, they discovered another wonderful effect. I'm reading from the article now. Quote, adding to mRNA vaccines' chance of success was a lucky break. Injected into the arm, the nanoparticles holding the critical instructions seemed to home in on the dendritic cells, the exact cell type whose job is to train the immune system to recognize a virus. What's more, something about the particles put the immune system on alert. It wasn't planned, but they were working as what's called a vaccine adjuvant. We couldn't believe the effect, says Wiseman, unquote. Now, Wiseman was one of the main researchers in developing mRNA for use in drugs. So here, surprise after surprise was occurring as they developed this vaccine.
0: Hmm, there's that word lucky again. And as you said, it may seem lucky from an unbeliever's perspective, but to me, it really does sound like the creator's hand was involved in the success of the vaccine. And I agree with that. Now, you know, Scott, I think it's
1: safe to say that most Bible-believing Christians see the pandemic as some form of God's judgment on a sinful world. It seems like a harbinger of the end times.
0: Well, I'd agree with that, and the prospect of more diseases happening more frequently and with even more deadly results is very unsettling though not necessarily unexpected given the biblical accounts of what things will be like on earth leading up to the end times.
1: Yes, those catastrophes really do seem to fit the pattern of birth pangs, as the Bible puts it, that is, labor pains. They become more frequent and more intense. But what I find very interesting about the events that led up to this rapid development of the vaccine is that it required so many seemingly unrelated factors to fall into place, at just the right time, enabling the RNA vaccine to work as it does. So, although the pandemic has been a terrible plague on the earth, God has used it to get millions of people's attention, causing them to consider their lives, and some even turning to the Lord for salvation. And yet it seems he has also mercifully allowed man to, at least for the time being, develop a vaccine that will hopefully provide some resistance and relief from this menacing strain of the coronavirus.
0: So, Dr. Scripture, I have a final question. Okay, Scott, what is it? Given what you've told us, do you think it's safe to get the vaccine? Well, Scott, let me put it this way. My
1: wife got hers. She's a healthcare worker, so she was near the front of the list to receive it. And I was heartily in agreement that she get it and I'm signed up to get mine. Actually, by the time this program airs, I will have gotten it, Lord willing. But let me make it clear, I am not presenting all this information to try and convince people that they absolutely should go get the vaccine. That is a personal decision. However, I do hope I've been able to share some information and correct what I found to be plenty of misinformation out there so that people can make an intelligent decision, not one based on fear or conspiracy hysteria. You know, the Lord has something to say about conspiracies. It's in the book of Isaiah. And let me quickly set the context. What's happening is the Lord is warning Israel that he is going to send Assyria to wipe them out. And yet people are blaming the king that he should be making an alliance with Egypt and everything else instead of recognizing that it's God's judgment. So listen to what Isaiah 8 verses 11 through 14 says. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people saying, you are not to say. It is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.